State. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Farrell, the tight end in motion. Fields gets the snap, gives it off to Sermon. Hit by JoJo Doman and brought down. He's short of the first down. It'll be fourth down. Doman fired off the edge and knocked down Sermon short of the stick. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Tim Curran. Here we are, back with you. Arnie Wednesday, how about that? Husker Baseball taking over the airways on Monday night. Shortens up the week for us here a little bit. Hope you've had a good week to this point in time. Man, it's so stinking hot, right? Goodness gracious. feel like a furnace. It feels like July out there right now, not early June. But, oh, well. It'll change, right, Nebraska? It'll change at some point in time. Big show coming up here tonight. Josh told you in the ticker that the athletic department announced their Hall of Fame class for the upcoming year. We're going to have, we're going to talk about two of them, hear from one of them here in the first hour, Larry Jacobson, who's the football representative, the first Outland Trophy winner in Nebraska football history. Going to join us here in a little bit. He was a part of those national championship teams in 70 and 71. Looking forward to catching up with Larry. Matt Coatney will join us later in the hour. We'll reminisce with him about Kelsey Griffin. Well-deserved Kelsey Griffin, just one of one of uh, the Mount Rushmore's, right, of Husker women's basketball. So we'll get uh, Coach's remembrances of calling her games uh, back when she played for Nebraska. What a terrific player. She was a part of that Husker team that went undefeated in the regular season. What a year that was. We did a uh, podcast about that a couple of years ago that was really, really cool to listen to. In fact, uh, you can probably go back and find that on our podcast list of that uh, great team that went undefeated. Lane Grendel is here Wednesday night, our Major League Baseball insider. We'll get his take on the Red Hot Brewers. They're like on fire right now. So we'll talk to Lane about that and some of the Big headlines that are hitting Major League Baseball right now. We began last night our 7-on-7 because we're into that summertime workouts for the football team. So Josh has prepared some unbelievable. Well, that's too hard to say. Josh has prepared the topics for us tonight. We'll see if they're unbelievable. That's coming up in hour number two. Buy, sell, Wednesday night. How did we do with the questions from last week? And what kind of... What kind of questions are we throwing out there to buy or sell tonight? Can't wait for that segment in the third hour. And, oh, what a treat in hour number three. Lexi Sun going to join us. The Husker volleyball star who announced a couple of weeks ago that she will come back, take advantage of the NCAA rule to allow athletes to kind of pick up one extra year because of the COVID pandemic that we went through. We'll talk to Lexi about her decision to do that and her thoughts about Husker volleyball. Uh, should be an excellent team that uh, takes the court here in just two months, right? Just a couple of months away for Husker Volleyball. So a big show headed your way tonight. And we'd certainly uh, love to have you a part of the program as well at 531-500-4686. The number to call us with a comment or question or fire off a text here tonight. Tim, let's start with, uh, man, woke up this morning. One of the first things I saw was Luke McCaffrey back in the news. The former Husker quarterback who announced in late January that he was entering the transfer portal. And a few weeks later, we learned that he landed at Louisville. He did not get to Louisville in time to take part in spring practice. He apparently showed up a week or 10 days ago to begin the summer condition. He went through three or four workouts, according to the head coach at Louisville, who made this declaration today on a uh, radio show in Louisville and said, yeah, Luke McCaffrey no longer part of the team. He decided after a couple of workouts that he wasn't going to be our starting quarterback, and off he goes. 
What was your reaction, Tim Curran, <laughs> when you saw this news earlier today? Is it bad that I laughed? I mean, and not, not because I take any – I'm not gloating or in glee over this news. I just thought it is one of the examples of the kids these days takes that have been thrown around uh, quite a bit in the media uh, over the, the, the new transfer portal and the excessive, I would say, transfers that have resulted in this. And, and I, I think I mentioned this on a show a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, there, there's just a very clear disconnect among the student-athletes uh, when it comes to transferring and expectations, uh, not just when they commit to a program and say they're going to presumably play there for the next three, four years of their career, uh, but there's this idea that the transfer portal is basically like NFL free agency. You hop in the transfer portal, someone's going to scoop you up, and you'll you'll just start there, and you're off and running. But how many times, Greg, have we seen a guy get in the transfer portal only to, to arrive somewhere and then leave less than Again. a year later? Yeah. I, I, it's just it's stunning to me. So someone somewhere needs to sit these people down and say, okay, you have this transfer portal available to you, but know that it's not a – magic wand that's going to make all your wishes and dreams come true and that if you can't hack it as a starter at one program even if you transfer to a quote-unquote lesser program that doesn't mean you're gonna you're gonna get you know a starting gig right away there's something to be said about putting your putting your work in Uh, the other thing I'll add before I'll shut up because I'm rambling at this point but I, I think with with Luke he it wasn't that he didn't have an opportunity to to cement his role on Nebraska. Coach Frost gave Luke more than plenty of opportunity to, to try and cement a spot as a starting quarterback when Adrian w- was struggling a little bit, um, and he just didn't have it. wasn't a downfield throwing threat uh, when, he, when he had the ball in his hands. And that's, that's, he had other talents. He, you know, I think he could have made an excellent skill player, a wide receiver, or, or have been involved in the offense somewhere or the other. That was not his wish, and, and you know, fair to him. He wanted to transfer somewhere else. Great. But – there, there's something not quite right about the transfer situation in college. It's gotten out of hand, and whether or not it's it's all the transfer portal's fault, it's, it's a significant issue with that. But I, I just think that, for the most part, a lot of these athletes, these students, are, do not understand the implications of the transfer portal and that it's not just a magic uh, free agency or trade machine where you can just go wherever you want and play immediately. It's just, it's just Hope- not how it works. Hopefully – Young guys and gals, because they're women that are jumping in the portal, too, and, and volleyball and softball and, and basketball. Hopefully, they're seeing these things and going, okay, uh, maybe I better think twice about this. He, here's what I don't get, Tim. The McCaffrey family, I think, is a very wise, smart family. They understand football. They know football, obviously. With Ed, the dad, played in the NFL for years. He's a head coach at Northern Colorado. Christian Stanford-educated running back star in the National Football League. Brother Dylan, who did the same thing that Luke did, he bailed out of Michigan. He did it earlier. He did it before they started playing games last fall. He's now going back to play for his dad in northern Colorado. So, Because I think some of these kids are getting bad advice. Well, how did the McCaffreys allow Luke to do this? I mean, one, did you not know that Louisville's quarterback – has started the last two years, uh, like much like Adrian Martinez has here. Did, did you not know that? You had to know that, right? And then you go and you spend a week at a place, and you go, yeah, okay, I don't think I'm going to be the starter here. I mean, I, I just don't <laughs> – th- this was so poorly thought out. And I, you would think 
some of these kids don't have good advice. Some of these kids don't have people who understand football and what it's about at the biggest and the highest level. The McCaffrey family does. So how, this to me, this is really, it's, you're right. It just makes you want to chuckle like, wow, okay. Maybe the problem wasn't Nebraska. Maybe the problem wasn't Scott Frost and the culture at Nebraska. Maybe it was an individual problem. Right. Well, And, and frankly, it's and I, I think I can go here because I, I am a relatively young man myself, although I've lost all my hair, so it's not <laughs> – I don't feel so young some days. But it, I, it is a generational thing. I mean, when's the last time you, you hear – you heard someone say, you know – you'll hear someone say, well, you'll do what makes you happy. Do, you know, it's like the self-making self. We're, we're focused on uh, the immediate moment, especially this younger generation, about doing what they want to do at all times, what's best for them. And, and, and that sounds all well and good, but not everything is about the self. Uh, you know, what do you think about what are you going to get out of a uh, – if, if you, when you commit to a program – and you're an athlete, you have to sit down and ask yourself, what am I getting out of this? The first thing that they might say, if you're a Luke McCaffrey, if you're a college football player, is they want to make it to the NFL. And that's a, that's a worthy and noble goal to strive for. But know that that's almost unattainable for the 99% of college athletes. But if that's your goal, that's great. But <laughs> what's stunning to me is that apparently they think that if they want to make it to the NFL and they aren't able to start right away at a, at a, at a decent college program, that if they just transfer, then someone else will just scoop them up and they'll be right on their way to playing in the NFL. Or, and, and they're focused on their own brand. With all this NIL stuff in the, in the, in the making, which I, we'll get into that later, I'm sure, um, there, there's this big emphasis on the individual. How can I profit off my brand? How can I market myself? And it's not even just in, in, among student-athletes. It's, it's you know, social media. It's just completely revolutionized the way we think about things. And so there's, there's no longer this emphasis of I'm going to uh, show up and take my knocks and I'm going to be the understudy if I need to be for however many years. That, that mentality is completely gone, uh, for better or for worse. And I think you, for, for right now we can say it's for worse, that you know, they, people show up on day one expecting to play right away. And that, that's just not a sustainable mentality. I mean, if you're going to Alabama or Clemson and you think that you're going to – unless you are the blue chip of the blue chip, the elite of the elite, that's not how it's going to work. And so I don't know what it's going to take to try and reverse this trend. As you mentioned, Greg, I'm sure that some of these athletes are, are going to be able to get it after a little bit, that you can't just hop in the transfer portal and be a starter anywhere. That, that's not how this works. But there, there needs to be a mind – change a, a generational shift that has to happen because right now it, it just it just doesn't seem to be working could be a disaster we could look back in 10 years and go my goodness what was going on there but the genie's kind of out of the bottle in this deal and i don't know that you can put it back in you you uh, alluded to great segue to college student athletes hoping to start profiting off their name their image and their likeness we've not talked a ton about this topic on this show I think it's you know it's it's kind of highbrow stuff, but we we do need to address it a little bit because there, there, it's in the news today because there was a hearing in front of the U.S. Senate today about this. So let me let me just kind of give some people some nuts and bolts about this. Several states, including Nebraska, have passed legislation that's going to allow college athletes to profit off their name, image, likeness, and this is going to affect your your big time name athletes on campus. And in Nebraska right now, that would be Alexi Sun and Adrian Martinez. Um, those two quickly come to mind as people that can probably make some good money off of their name, image, likeness. So Nebraska, the state house, has passed legislation saying that's 
permissible beginning July 1. The problem is the University of Nebraska has a signed agreement with the NCAA that they have to operate under NCAA rules. And the NCAA has not granted this to go to be to be the, the law of the land. You have three or four states that have passed legislation like Nebraska. You have other states that are going, whoa, 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 whoa we, we, we're not ready. We don't have that done. You have schools in certain parts of the country going, wait a minute. We can't be letting it happen at Nebraska and Florida and some other states that have passed it if we're not ready to do this yet. So they're trying to get Congress involved to maybe speed up the what's going on with this thing before July 1st hits here. And we're not that far away from July 1st either when this thing kicks in. Uh, and then to to mix it all up, there is a case in front of the Supreme Court that's dealing with this very topic as well. This thing could get really messy. There wasn't really much that came out of the hearings today other than they know. I think they got a mess going on their hands, Tim. And you got you got schools and states that don't have laws that have passed yet that are going, whoa, wait a minute. This could be a real advantage for places like Nebraska and Florida that have passed this thing. And my, my whole thing with this, too, is that if you're if you're Mark Emmert, uh, of the NCAA, and you just figured out now is a time to be addressing this. It's almost insane to me that it's taken this long for them to get around to this. And it, it also just makes you wonder what is the function and use of the NCAA at this point? Because this, the states are making their own laws, as we're mentioning, and now Mark Emmer is crying foul because there's no federal oversight to this. And he's saying, oh, well, if there's you know, no, no federal oversight, no federal law to try and you know, streamline all of this, we can't have fair and competitive championships. Well, I mean, let's, let's not pretend for a moment that the playing field has ever been fair. If you're going to tell me that USC and, and Texas are, are on the same playing field as Toledo and Miami of Ohio, I mean, that was never the case. There was always more exposure for the bigger schools, and there's always going to be the case. So when they're talking about Mark Emmert wants, oh, guard, we got to have guardrails to avoid pay-for-play schemes and all of this, and, and there could be so many untoward things going on, and it's the Wild West out there now. Well, sorry. It, it, the, it's, it's the NCAA's fault. They haven't gotten around to this earlier, and I understand that there's concern from certain institutions and states uh, that, that don't have their own NIL legislation worked up yet. Well, then you'd say, okay, lobby, lobby your state, you know, uh, you know, uh, lawmakers, and, and tell them to get after it. You know, it's going to maybe take a grassroots political movement if you're a big enough football fan, <laughs> you know, in, in a state to try and try and get after it. But you know, to me, it's just rich that that the NCAA is is trying to lobby the federal government to basically do their bidding, and they want their yeah. specific guardrails in place. I mean, I don't think the federal government should be involved at all. I just, I'm starting to sound a little bit too much like a political talk right now, but I just think I, I just think it's 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 a bit rich from the NCAA to, to now come hat in hand to the to congress and say you need to fix this for us but please fix it the way we would like it to be fixed i think that's a bit rich no that's a that's a great point and that's really kind of what's going on here the the nca is hoping to be bailed out by congress in this whole thing and congress at least is looking at this issue and it you, what's going to end up happening i believe is that you're going to have a state or two that is not ready to do this that has not passed the nil legislation is going to file an injunction and then you're going to have a court go, yeah, that's probably right. Unless all 50 states can do it, nobody can do it. I think that's probably where we're headed as we get close to that July 1st deadline. We will see. Again, that's only 20, what is it, 21 days away, so it's not far off at all for that. We'll keep our eye on it. Certainly Nebraska's got their ducks lined up. They're ready to roll. They're ready to help their student-athletes, and it would be a nice recruiting coup moving down the road if Nebraska can get a jump on a lot of people on this whole thing. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to the newest Hall of Famer. Larry Jacobson is going to join us here on Sports Honey. Don't go away.
One guy that was a heck of a college athlete joining us now, that's Larry Jacobson, one of the newest members to the Nebraska Hall of Fame, uh, announced earlier today, an Outland Trophy winner for the Big Red back in 1971. He joins us now. Larry, great to have you with us. Hey, congratulations. This is fantastic news today and well-deserved. It makes me feel real old. <laughs> but it's nice, to, it's nice to be recognized. It's always nice to be remembered for things that you did when you were a lot younger. How did you find out about it? Uh, I got a I got a, a note from or a call from from uh, Keith Zimmer. Well, I know if I was able to take a call at nine o'clock the next morning from Bill Moose, and I said, "Yeah, sure, I'll be around." And so he called me the next morning and told me all about it, and uh, and told me that they would probably be announcing it for a while and. Uh, they finally they did it so it's it's really a nice honor to get and yeah you know, i think it's a i'm the i think seventh or eighth ball player that's still alive that's still that got it so it's it's really a nice deal well and you certainly well deserving you were part of those national championship teams with coach devaney in 70 71 you had that record-breaking year in 71 where you won the Outland Trophy. And, and now I believe you have the actual trophy, don't you? Didn't the folks up in Omaha make sure you got the, the real trophy when they designed it and came out with it? Yeah, they had a, they originally gave out a, an old plaque. And and uh, that's all we got. I got that at the, at the basketball court one time. And then in 95 or 96... I think they started giving the awards out in Omaha, so I actually got I got the trophy. But the uh, the original Outland award that I got, I burned up because I had a cabin on down here at South Bend, and I was down here the night Nebraska played Florida in the Fiesta Bowl. And a, a long story: some embers from an old fire that I had started everything on fire, and I burned up the Outland trophy. I burned up my Lombardi finalist award. I burned up all my paraphernalia that I had for my uh, my playing days. All went, all all got torched up, and it took the fire department an hour to get here because it was right in the middle of the Florida game. <laughs> I'll be darned! My goodness. Well, I'm so glad you had I, the. Album. But I did get the. I got the. I got the trophies replaced with my insurance, but a lot of the other stuff I had got burned up. Luckily. My father had a bunch of the stuff I'd given him, so I've got that down here now. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, and that Outland Trophy is a good-looking trophy. Again, we're visiting with Larry Jacobson, named today as part of the class to go in the Hall of Fame. They're going to be honored at a football game in the fall. Larry, let's go down memory lane a little bit. Give me when you think back on your playing days in Nebraska. What are there? Is there a game or two that sticks out as really fond memories for you? Well, you know, everybody. From you know the '71 team, we remember the Oklahoma game, and you know that's you know was a classic. In fact, we're still thinking about maybe going down there to Oklahoma this year, but we haven't decided if we're going to go down there or not yet. But that's that's a, that was you know the classic game, and I remember one other game we played against Colorado out there, and I remember that God, we were we were hitting by seven, eight points, and I think they scored, and they went for two points, and they had a, a running but Cliff Branch was one of their receivers. He tried to run around for a two-point conversion, and I barely tripped him up on about the half-foot line. 
So I, I do remember I do remember that play in the Oklahoma. I remember the end of the, end of the Oklahoma game when I knocked a bunch of passes down and got uh, sacked Milder once and should have should have sacked him on the next play, but I missed him and Glover knocked the ball away. So, you know, those are the games we remember. We just re- and remember all of our teammates because, you know, that was one hell of a group of people that we had. I had a one of the other awards I got was this an Agursky Legends Award that I got in 2012, and I had to go back and and, and for the speech I looked up how many players from the 71 team ended up playing pro football in one league or another, and there were 37. That's a lot of guys. Sure is. That is fantastic. Larry Jacobson was part of a Husker teams that went 33-2-1 in those three seasons, including the two national championship. What were the bowl experiences like back then, Larry? How, and I'm sure they've changed a lot to, to what how the guys are treated now at bowl games. What, what was the Orange Bowl like back in those days? Oh, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, we we went down. We, we'd practice hard, but we could still go out. I remember, I God, we went. I think we went to a couple of shows at night before, and it wasn't you know a couple of days before the game. But we got and we got seats up nice and close, and we were down on the beach, and it was one heck of a lot of fun. In fact, I remember. I can't remember if it was the LSU game or the Alabama. I think it was LSU. But then the first time we were supposed to come back to Nebraska and there was a snowstorm, so we had to spend an extra day down in Miami, which was really <laughs> terrible. That's awful. It's terrible you had yeah, to go no, stay, the, the, stay on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> How much did those – I mean, obviously winning a national title was a big thing. I've heard stories, though, that Coach Devaney really wanted to beat Bear Bryant. Was that obvious at oh. the time that he wanted to beat Bama? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's – uh he wanted it real bad, and we all knew it. And I, and if I remember right, I had some other paraphernalia looking things up. Bear Bryant's worst defeat ever was the 38-6 in our game when we played him. So I, I and we, when I go, I, I get to go back to the Snagurski Awards every year back in Charlotte. They take the five best defensive players in the country, and one of them is a defensive player of the year. And there's always guys from Alabama, and I always have to go and talk to them, remind them that, you know, way back when, <laughs> their worst defeat was against us. <laughs> oh, love it. Well, for a young guy from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you did really well, Larry. That's a great thing. And I know you've made Nebraska your home since your playing days. What, what has Nebraska football meant to you in your life? Oh, it's, it's, meant, it's meant everything. I mean, I spent... 30 years as a as an investment broker and it never hurt to have the name because people would remember it and that's you know it's always nice wherever you go and and i am six six so i'm a little bigger than most guys and so you know i have a, I've drawn a little attention because of that but it's always nice to be remembered And if anybody asks you to do it do anything you do it because that's what people from nebraska do Amen to that. Well, Coach Devaney was your, your head coach. What what other coaches did you develop a, a close relationship when you were playing for the Huskers? Well, I go back to my freshman year, and the freshman coaches that we had were Monty Kiffin, Warren Powers, and Barry Alvarez. Cool. Yeah, Barry Alvarez was a graduate assistant back on the 19 – would be a 68 freshman team. 
So, you know, we, we had really good coaches. We had really good players. And everybody got along. Everybody was playing for the team. There was none of this, you know, trying to come out early and just worry about what you do. We were doing, and if somebody got down, we would pick them up and push them a little harder to make the team better. We did the same. You know, we made our offense work awful hard. That's always I always I always give the offense a hard time because we say the reason why our offense was so good back in 71 was because they had to stay so much time on the field because we'd take our three or four plays and we'd stick the offense back out on the field. Great stuff. Larry Jacobson, his jersey, number 75, retired in 1994. Not far after you got done playing, Larry, they they started to allow freshmen to play. Do you cringe when you think about that, that, man, if you were just a few years older, maybe you could have played four years instead of three, or do you even let that even let, let oh, that you, into you know, your mind? We don't, you don't let you think about it. Back then, we had so many players. We had 45 scholarships a year with no limits. So, you know, and back in those days, even our offensive line, they never played until they were juniors because there were so many good players ahead of them. So, I, you know, I don't think, you know, I would have played as a freshman. I got lucky that I started as a sophomore because one of the guys in front of me got hurt, Dave Wallin, and you know that's that that's how I started. And, and I don't know how hard it would be a freshman to play now. Pretty amazing that they made that rule change in the seventies. Larry Jacobson, Hall of Famer. That is fantastic. So happy for you, my friend. Can't wait for the big celebration in late September, early October. It's going to be a blast. It's well-deserved, and we appreciate you taking some time to be with us here on Sports Nightly tonight. Well, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Joined now by a guy who had a front-row seat to watch every game of her amazing career, and that's Matt Coatney with us tonight. Coat, I, 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 I'm sure you'd rather talk about Kelsey Griffin than your Cardinals probably at this point in time. Uh, I would rather talk about Kelsey Griffin than anything at any time, which should tell you how amazing she was if I want to talk about her more than my Cardinals. But I will tell you, if St. Louis does not win tonight against Cleveland, you may need to send somebody to get me medical attention in South Lincoln. My goodness, Greg, are you kidding me? Oh, it's been awful. Just awful. Uh, enough of that. Kelsey, man, this, 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 she was, in a way, kind of a program changer, wasn't she, Coat? And she was somebody that absolutely changed this program. When Connie Yori came in and took the program over in 2002, some lean years in there, and then the bubble of the NCAA tournament and a couple of NCAA tournament losses. But to see this young woman just take a program – and change it and elevate her teammates to becoming an undefeated regular season team. I've never seen anything like it. And I really, as you said, I got to have a front row seat of not only seeing that, but I watched her grow up and blossom from a very homesick young lady from Eagle River, Alaska, to a very polished, mature woman who was a true team leader and a program changer. Big 12 Player of the Year, her senior year, that 09-10 season, which you were a part of a terrific podcast that we put out about a year ago that documents that amazing season in Husker history. When you think back and reflect back, what, what, what part of her game did you really enjoy watching? What part of, what do you remember about her as a player? The intensity. 
and how it rubbed off on everybody. Greg, in Brittany Griner's career, she lost one home game at Baylor, and it was to Kelsey Griffin in Nebraska. And the main reason that happened is Kelsey Griffin took not one, not two, not three, but four charges in that game. You've watched a lot of basketball. Tell me how many games you could remember where one player took four charges. If your teammates see you do that, how do you think they're going to respond? They stepped it up. They beat Baylor on their home floor. Baylor was uh, you know, a team that won the national championship a couple of years later under Brittany Griner. So I just remember her making everybody better around her. She refused to lose. That's a, that's a great point on the charges taken because I think maybe her defense gets overlooked, Coat, because she was such a great scorer at the other end of the floor. And she became a great scorer by putting the work in. You know, everybody said if she was going to play in the pros, and she's had a great pro career in the WNBA and in, and in Australia. But she had to become better on the wing. And against LSU, who was ranked fifth at the Devaney Center, in that great December game that really caught everybody's attention and put Nebraska on the national radar, she made a move at the left elbow against Taylor Turnbow. That is, if you ask Jeff Reese, my great color analyst, what's your one favorite play in the history of Nebraska women's basketball you've ever seen? Probably we would both come up with that play because she left Taylor Turnbow standing in the dust looking at that left elbow where Kelsey Griffin wasn't anymore. She became a really good off-the-bounce player, and she just kept working until she mastered every skill she needed. Coat, there's not many jerseys retired in Husker women's basketball history, but Kelsey's one of them, and I'm sure you had no, no complaints or qualms about that when that happened a few years back. Uh, Greg, it was it brought tears to my eyes. I got to MC that ceremony. We had our whole family right there in the Sports Nightly studio when they all came in from Minnesota and Alaska and, and Australia. Kelsey is now a, a naturalized citizen of Australia. It's become her home. And uh, what was great about Kelsey Griffin is she wanted to attend practice and she wanted to talk to the team and she wanted to sit on the bench and really be a part of it. She wanted to see Nebraska win that night. And she wanted to feel a part of it. That's why she belongs more than anyone I've ever known in the Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame. She is a Husker through and through. From Alaska, how the heck did Connie Yori get her here? Do you have any idea? Uh, a, yeah, no, it's a great story. She was lightly recruited. You know, her family is in Minnesota. You know, it, it, it really at that time, AAU was just becoming, you know, where you, that's how you kind of got noticed. So, Husker assistant coaches did a really good job of kind of combing through and finding her at a tournament in the Pacific Pacific Northwest. You know, that Husker staff did a really good job during that time of getting people like Lindsey Moore out of the Pacific Northwest and great Canadians like Caitlin Burke. So to get Kelsey Griffin, you know, it was just hard work by that uh, assistant coaching staff that really pulled her out of there. They saw her at a couple of tournaments and, uh, really, I think Michigan State was the only school of name early on that really had any interest or even knew about Kelsey Griffin. It, it's just hard work by the coaching staff. 
Isn't that something? So lightly, re- lightly recruited like that, and she turns into one of arguably the best player in program history. That that's just a great story, and uh, certainly glad that she's been honored by being put in this Hall of Fame class. Before I let you go, we we let off the yeah. hour tonight talking about the Luke McCaffrey story in the transfer portal, and he leaves here, and now he's leaving Louisville. I know women's basketball is has been impacted. College basketball really has been impacted by transfers a lot more than than maybe football. Football starting to catch up to that a little bit. Are you concerned at all where we're going with this and kids hopping from school to school? Where, where do you come down on all that? I'm very concerned about it, Greg. You know, I, and I, I, I hesitate to be the get off my lawn guy, or I wish it was <laughs> like it used to be. But, but truly, I think about a coach, and you're a coach at a major Division One school, and you think you've recruited a player to come here. And then you have to re-recruit them every year. What are we doing? And I will tell you right now, if the transfer portal had been here, and I would say this if Kelsey Griffin were sitting next to me, I doubt we would be putting her in the Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame because I think she would have left at the semester at the end of her first year because she was so homesick. And I think Kelsey Griffin would tell you she is so glad she stayed here because an 18-year-old kid – has no idea what is important. They need that structure and that stability. I am very concerned. I hope that some changes get made because right now it's chaos. And I, I'm just going to be as honest as I can. I can't stand it. Yeah, I'm with you. So I'll get my lawn chair out. We can sit out there together. How about that? We'll do it. And we'll, we'll listen Good. to the we'll listen to a Cardinal game or two. Is that all right? By the way, that would be great. By the way, uh, you guys did a great job down in Fayetteville. Uh, uh, just really a, a great run by Will Bolton, everybody, and you and Ben, and uh, did just a great job for our network, and hats off to you. Thank you. Cody, it was, a, it was a special year, and I know you know what those are like because, Kelsey, that team that you got to call that special year, the undefeated year, those don't come around very often, and you soak it up and you take it in, and you had that with that team, and that's kind of what we felt like with this team that the Oscars just had in baseball. But we appreciate it, buddy. Take care of yourself. Enjoy your summer. All right, Sharpie. Take care. Let's get her going, though, with our insider. His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, my goodness, I'm not sure the Brewers lose again. The crew's on a tear here, Lane Grindle. Yeah, they're playing really well. And and, and this is kind of the recipe all season that you knew was going to be a, a part of what they were going to need to do if if they were going to be a, a team that, that went on a run like this. They were going to pitch it well, and they've definitely done that. Um, they've really done that consistently all year long. Um, but it was about the offense. The offense did not perform well through the first month to month and a half of the season, and that is that is that has changed. It's It's not necessarily the best offense in baseball, but it doesn't need to be. It needs to be a good offense. It needs to be a competent offense. And I think the biggest thing that's changed, Greg, is that it's heated up. The roof is open at uh, American Family Field more consistently now. And the ball's flying more. And so in, in an era where the majority of runs are scored via the long ball, when the ball starts to fly more for a team that's dependent upon that, they're going to score more runs, obviously. And, and, and that's happening. The Brewers are 10-1 and one in their last 11 they won 13 of their last 16. But in that 11-game in that stretch, the only loss was a 10-7 loss to the Tigers. So 
So it just goes to show you this team's playing really good baseball right now. Part, part of what you, you were beating up on the Diamondbacks, and they set a record last night. They lost their 18th straight road game. It's the longest road streak in like almost 30 years in Major League Baseball. What in the world? Are they that bad? What's up with the Diamondbacks? No, I, I don't think they're that bad. That's 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 what is the most surprising thing about it, Greg, is they have a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of injuries position player-wise early in the year. Now they've had a lot of injuries from a pitching standpoint. Uh, Madison Bumgarner is dealing with a little bit of a shoulder issue. But they, they, they collectively, if they have everybody healthy, I don't think this is one of those franchises that you're like, oh, man, they're tanking, right? It's not one of those deals. I, I think they're in a division where they weren't going to compete. I didn't expect them to compete with the Dodgers or Padres or even the Giants, for that matter, because the Giants continue to play really well. But I would have picked them above the Rockies in that division, and, and the Rockies have only won like three or four road games all year long. And so, I mean, those are just two teams right now in a really tough division, really struggling. But I think the Diamondbacks can hit the baseball a little bit. I do think they have some legitimate guys in their lineup. Lane Griddle's with us. He's our Major League Baseball insider here on Sports Nightly. Well, um, Garrett Cole raised some eyebrows and raised some questions around baseball when he was point-blank asked if he uses any foreign substance uh, to grease up the hands or whatever, and he kind of shrugged and almost basically admitted that he did. Uh, is this is this going to be a huge story for a while? What what's what's been the the buzz around the ballpark about what Cole admitted to the other day? Well, not even so much what he's ad- admitted to or not admitted to. It's it's just this has been a topic for the last couple of weeks. There's been stories written about it, and offense is down. There's a lot of reasons for that. Pitching has been historically good. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is guys throw harder than ever. But the, the part that we don't talk as much about is that guys throw better breaking stuff than they've ever thrown. Spin rates are higher, and, and we know how to measure these things. We know how to put you know, the spin of your breaking ball into context that you can understand and how you can use it in an at-bat better. I mean, it's just there's a different level of understanding of pitching. And so with that probably comes you know, the, the, the chance for some of these guys to say, okay, well, if I'm getting this kind of results with this kind of spin – couldn't I get more if I was doing this? And so, I mean, I think we all understand that guys have used sticky substances in, in, in baseball in the past. I don't think anybody's shocked to hear that. Who's using it? How much they're using it? What's enough? What's not enough? I, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's going to be one of those stay tuned stories because it sounds like baseball is going to start, um, you know, being proactive with it and giving the umpires a little bit more uh, ability to to you know take care of this situation in the middle of a game, and I think in the next couple of weeks and certainly post All Star break, this will continue to be a story probably the rest of the year. We saw Joe West, who we you know, I asked you about Joe West a couple of weeks ago, umpiring the the most games in Major League Baseball history. He actually took a hat away from a Cardinal pitcher, and that incited the Cardinals yeah. manager and their dugout and all, that type of thing. But maybe that's is that the first step, and maybe what we're going to start seeing? Do you think? Well, I think that's, you know, that kind of it boiled up to that point. And I think at that point they said, okay, Major League Baseball has to decide, are they going to give their umpires the ability to, to really monitor this and manage this in-game, or are they going to look the other way with it? Um, because 
you could understand really either, in my opinion. I mean, Pete Alonso came out today and said, I don't care what guys use. They use whatever they want. It doesn't bother me. You know, <laughs> he said, I'd swim the baseball to stay consistent. Um, meaning, you know, they changed the baseball kind of year in, year out. Um, they've admitted that they changed the baseball coming into this year to deaden it a little bit because we were hitting so many home runs and now home runs are down. And, and, and so I think some guys are more upset with that than anything else. So I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Um, I think that it, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to it. You know, some people use really, really dramatic headlines when they're talking about this, like it's some huge scandal. I don't, I don't know that I'm there with that. I think guys have always used stuff to get a little bit of an advantage when they're pitching to baseball. And, you know, is there stuff going on now that's, that's further than we're comfortable with? We're probably going to figure that out over the next few months, but um, you know, I'm, I'm more in a wait and see approach with this before I have any huge sweeping judgment on what's going on on the mound. Yeah, the uh, the baseball Hall of Fame announced today they're going to move their ceremony, which is usually late July into September. They're going to honor a class that includes Ted Simmons. He was voted in from the uh, Veterans Committee, mostly a Cardinal, but he did play with the Brewers. How much did the Brewers wrap their arms around Ted Simmons? I mean, Hall of Famer played for Milwaukee for a while. I would assume they probably do. Oh, absolutely, they do. Ted Simmons is a, a big part of Brewers history. He was on the '82 team, the only Brewers team that's ever been to the World Series. Uh, that was a trade they made with St. Louis to bring Ted Simmons to Milwaukee. And he didn't just play a couple of years. He, he played, uh, he had a nice career in Milwaukee and uh, had some, some good seasons here for the crew. So yeah, Ted Simmons is still a big part of the, the history here. He's not one of the numbers and names, you know, that, that is up on uh, our structure beyond our, our scoreboard that, you know, is, we have Raleigh Fingers, and we have uh, Henry Aaron and Bud Selig and Paul Molitor and Bob Eucher and Robin Yount and Jackie Robinson. He isn't one of those, but uh, he is he is one of the uh, better catchers that ever played the game mm-hmm. and one of the best catchers that ever played the game for the Brewers. And Yeah, any chance they get to bring him back, they bring him back. They brought him back in 82 when the Brewers had – or for the 82 reunion when they had one back in 2017. Does Uke go to many of those Hall of Fame ceremonies anymore? Or does he does he avoid Cooperstown? No, he he still goes back. Um, he he went back when Bud got inducted, and that would have been in 2017, I believe, that Bud got inducted. And then he went back when Costas went in for the Ford Frick Award the next year in 2019. So he or 2018. So he's been back a couple of times um, since I've been here. He, he really enjoys it. He likes it there. Um, I don't know that he'll make that trip in too many more times because it's a really hard place to get to. That's the hardest part. Is, I mean, you don't fly into Cooperstown. You fly into, like, Albany, and then you drive three hours. It's just a challenging place to get to. But he does enjoy it. He, he really enjoys seeing all the players being back there. And it is a big fraternity of guys that have so many great stories to tell. And, of course, Bob Euchre tells the stories – better than anybody and so i know he really enjoys his time there when he goes back there but um he's been back there a handful of times since i've been here this is my sixth year and i know he's been back there twice since i've been here very cool all right we'll keep it rolling you and uh, we're gonna have to maybe drug test you and levering if this keeps going you guys keep winning games maybe it's the broadcasters <laughs> that are bringing the luck to the crew i think we have absolutely zero to do with it but i'll take the credit when we're winning anyway 
Time for us to get some into some topics of the day, 7 on 7. It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with 7 on 7 drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the offseason with some 7 on 7 of our own. Seven topics. A seven nation army couldn't hold me back. From sports. From Manning, seven touchdown passes. To pop culture. I never joke about my work, 007. It's time to go seven on seven on Sports Nightly. Well, this is my first voyage into seven on seven yes. this year. So I, and not only that, I get to do all the questions tonight. I, Tim is but back. But did you come up with all of them? That's No, I did not. You helped me with a few of them. So <laughs> Thank that's, you. Yeah. Thank you. Got to give credit where credit's due. We can count on Tim to help with that. But Timmy, before, yeah. before we get into the questions for tonight, I just want to ask you, Greg, are you ready for tomorrow night? You know what tomorrow night turn, is? Turn around Thursday. Yep. Oh, you I, bet. I knew you would be ready. So. You bet I'm ready. I Woo-hoo. can't wait for that, but it's all me asking the questions tonight, giving out the topics. And we start with topic number one in the NBA. They've, uh, they've put their foot down and have asked the Brooklyn Nets to stop bullying Giannis Antetokounmpo and a uh, story behind this. In game one of their series against the Bucks, the Nets displayed a timer on the scoreboard, counting down how long Giannis' uh, long free throw routine takes. It's well over 10 Ooh. seconds, which Ooh. is, as it turns out, against the rules. So, it is. Um, however, the NBA told Brooklyn following that game that they can no longer display the shot clock because it would, quote, incite fans to taunt opposing players. So, where do you guys stand on this? Should it be... Uh, within the NBA's right to stop this, or should they be on the other side and and be enforcing the uh, long free throws routines? I mean, I, for me, th- this is this is a no-brainer. I mean, the NBA should stay out of this. I mean, my, my thing is, unless it is a direct personal Wrong. attack on a player, <laughs> I can understand that. But, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a little meanless uh, taunting of a – in fact, it was pointing out that he was breaking a rule. So True. I don't know why the NBA isn't, isn't going back and saying, oh, why aren't we examining the fact that our referees are allowing Giannis to take uh, 12, 13 seconds for a free throw, and instead they're cracking down on, oh, we, we're worried that fans might be mean to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why that is their concern. But so goes it. I'm not a fan of the NBA cracking down. <laughs> I, the NBA absolutely should crack. They shouldn't be doing that. Okay? I, I don't like the countdown clock. That shouldn't be happening. But the referees need to enforce the rules. Enforce the rules. Yeah. His, his free throws shouldn't count. If he can't get it shot in 10 seconds, that's a rule. That's one of the oldest rules in the game. Sure. Everybody knows that from Pony League. When well, you're playing ball, you know you got to get your free throw up in 10 seconds. And it's one thing if it's you know right at 10 seconds, maybe be a little bit lenient. But once you're getting up closer to 15 seconds and then doing it every single time, then you, you, know, you need to figure it out. He just needs to be penalized. You do it once or twice, he'll he'll speed her up. I guarantee right. it. Exactly. I 100% agree on that. Boom. Boom. All right, moving over <laughs> to topic number two. Earlier today, Dak Prescott told reporters that he's fully recovered from his dislocated or, and fractured ankle that he suffered last season, which caused him to miss 11 games. He even went as far as to say that he's buried it mentally. So... What are some of the most impressive comeback stories from injuries in sports that you guys can remember? And then 
What would be the most difficult injury for you guys to overcome if you were <laughs> high-level athletes? I'm not saying you're not high-level. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not athletes, but maybe not right. high-level athletes. Yeah. Uh, how about how about the Arkansas first baseman? For miraculous, and we kept talking about it on the broadcast the other night. I mean, this guy—they kept saying, "Well, he basically broke his ankle in the SEC tournament." Then he goes out there, he plays Sunday night and Monday He's night, limping around and stuff. Oh, like, come on! Yeah, you could have gone with Griffin Everett for taking a fastball to the face and, uh, and Efrain Cervantes. Yeah, outside. Yeah, sorry, Efrain Cervantes. Efrain. Like, players mixed up but uh, well I myself uh, have my my spirit wounded by Ben McLaughlin about every other night on Sports Nightly and I still continue to come on oh geez when called upon so it's more of an emotional sorry that's always the biggest thing is the, the mental aspect of it so I'm a, I'm a mental warrior well guy. that's what uh, Dak Prescott said he said that he's already gotten past it mentally he's buried it well did he mm. tweak his ankle because remember those that crazy warm-up he was caught doing on Sunday he football where he's, he's like gonna yeah. tear his rotator cuff or hip flexor doing that that's right. nuts Remember, up. you guys will remember the Willis Reed sure. in the NBA playoffs yep. in the 70s where he's gone and he comes back and the crowds well, roar and then he comes yeah. back out and leads him to a victory. What yeah. about just recently, Alex Smith? He uh, Basically, yeah. they said he was going to yeah. lose his leg. He was cl- that close one. to it and he comes back and plays. So, that's I mean, now he's retired, good but uh, good for him doing that. All right, uh, back to the NBA for topic number three. Indiana Pacers head coach uh, Nate Bjorkgren was fired today after just one season with a team. I had no idea who he was until I saw the headline. (laughs) The Pacers finished the season at 34 and 38, and they had their streak of five straight seasons making the playoffs snapped this year. So if you guys were the general managers making the decisions on how long of a leash to give a coach in one of the professional sports leagues, could be any of them, but how long would it be? Would it be one season if they were bad enough or you didn't think that they were heading in the right direction? Would you give them two years, three years or more? What would you, what would you guys' philosophy be? Certainly be more than one year, I would hope. Uh, I'm, that surprises me, Tim. I feel like you're the, <laughs> your personality is Hatch if you're it. not getting it done. I, I surely, by the way, I, could, you, I would file this under... Uh, uh, discrimination uh, lawsuit because uh, as appears Mr. Bjorkgren is actually a, a member of the bald and balding community and so yeah I think I think we got to look out for our fellow balds that's out what there the... I think that yes this was this was people gave, they gave a short leash to bald okay. people they just it's just that Jason Kidd I think was the same way I think he only lasted a couple of years at uh, coaching the net I think it was so right no I, I would I don't have a hard and fast rule but to me if you're not getting at least well into year three I think that's a good kind of rule of thumb of like, okay, you've had the first year is when you build it. The second year is when you're supposed to build on that improvement. And the third year is when things are supposed to start to click. Um, but again, it depends because it depends on situation to situation. But I, to me, I wouldn't be comfortable making that big of a change until I was well into year three. This is bad, but I agree with Tim. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, unless there's like a dissension in the locker room, if right. he's lost the team, if he's done something – Egregious that you just can't roll with him. I think one and done, and particularly in this shortened season that the NBA just went through and condensed season that they sure. had to go through, that just seems wrong to do that. Yeah. You just didn't give a guy an, a, any chance to be successful. Well, and here's the thing too: if you're if you're firing a guy after year one, what does that say about you? It means that you made a really exactly. bad hire. <laughs> like that's, I, yeah, I don't know. We by the way, we all know what Brett's answer to this would be. We saw that during SNBL last year with the Purple People Eaters. He was firing coaches multiple times during from, one season. He gets that from international soccer. I mean, those coaches, like, they don't even last half the year sometimes. I mean, yeah. Ted, Lasso Ted, Ted Lasso does. Ted Lasso does. That's just his, yeah, his pure charisma and charm. Uh, Spoiler alert for yeah, Flick. If any, if, yeah. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, 
Topic number four, we go back to the NFL, and the NFL is reportedly seeking to expand their international outreach. Obviously, you know, they played in England and Mexico, but they're exploring the possibility of playing regular season games in Germany. And according to the Associated Press, the league has seen its viewership grow in Germany by more than 20% annually since 2017. And the Super Bowl this past February set a television record. But do you guys think that playing more games internationally in general, especially in Germany, is a good idea because it obviously takes away some revenue from teams for their home games? You know, it's so far over there, too. I mean, it's right. It's further than just getting to London. It's a few more hours. Travel, yeah. The travel part and the wear and tear on players. Good point. And I know you can build a bye week maybe before or after to help alleviate that but i think that's asking an awful lot of the players and i get that they're trying to expand their brand they're jealous of the nba yep. because the nba's become a global game but maybe it doesn't need to be maybe you just be satisfied with what you have i'm not a, i'm not a fan of this i guess i can stomach london because that's pretty quick to get over there but until we know how to Warp people or whatever, you know, you can blink and you're back on your home or whatever. <laughs> teleport. Uh, I, transponder. Teleport, you know, transponders, the Star Trek technology. <laughs> I, I'm not for this. Yeah, I'm in the same vein. You know, I, I was, a, you know, I think Ben is the cynic when it comes to the international games. I, I'm normally for it. You know, they played a game in Mexico City. They played in Canada before. To me, that makes sense. You're going to play a, a Monday night football game in Mexico City or, or somewhere in North America. Great. As soon as you start trying to expand into Germany of all places, I mean, <laughs> where are they going to go next? Uh, as I know Scott was a fan of playing, you know, Kazakhstan or wherever it was, Uzbekistan. <laughs> Maybe they start playing in the stands. Maybe they're in uh, uh, South Asia next. I mean, I think there's a novelty aspect to it that might be fun for the viewer at home or if you're a globetrotter and you want to get out there, great. But from a personnel standpoint, it makes absolutely no sense. You're losing home games. And I also just think that on the whole, I mean, you ask your random German citizen if they give a two bleeps about the NFL, the answer is going to be no. So I, I don't think playing regular season games is going to change that. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that great of an idea. To All be right. Fun. Well, and how much is it? Yeah. How much is playing one regular season game there a year going to grow the game in Germany? Right. I don't. Right. You know, I, you know, I think you can zip down and go play in Mexico City. Sure. I think you could go up and play in Toronto or something and, and try to, you know, take care of North America a little bit. But yeah, that just seems too extreme for me. If you want to go play an exhibition game over there, a preseason game, that that's fine. Okay, do that. But yeah. All right. Very good. Moving on to our first non-sports topic of the evening. Earlier today, a chartered plane with reporters covering President Biden's overseas flight was delayed by seven hours due to cicadas in the engine. And, of course, we've heard all about the cicadas uh, covering, you know, the – a large portion of this country, but what's the worst uh, flight delay you guys have ever had to deal with? And then how glad are you that we aren't having to deal with the cicadas in this part of the country? I like cicadas. Well, you do. They're all right. Yeah, I I don't know why all these D.C. types are having meltdowns because some bugs are in the area, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) I think the worst flight, I haven't had, I've been blessed, I haven't had too many bad flight delays, but speaking of international flights, a flight to Mexico got delayed because there was a dent in the door, and they had to get that buffed out <laughs> while we were waiting. And also, I think I think the other one is a, a flight to London. It was uh, they, they couldn't get the little moving staircase to work uh, at O'Hare, and so they had to they had to swing around another one. So they couldn't they couldn't board the flight. So that, that probably pushed it back by a couple hours. So I was not happy about that. But I haven't had many too 
terrible instances with flights, but I, I have not trotted the country like Ben and Greg have. So, When do the cicadas get here? Is it late July they usually get here? Here, yeah. Them at night. Uh, well, it might be, yeah. Maybe would, earlier. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little, little earlier. earlier, but yeah, they're... They're I loud. like them. It reminds me of summer. Well, I mean, just, but yeah. here's the here's the deal: is the cicadas that we get aren't nearly as bad as what's covering, no, no, no. you know, That's the rest, right. the other east of us in this country. But yeah, the f- uh, worst yeah. flight delay. Yeah. I got a good one on this. Okay, go for um, it. Okay, we're we're playing in the Foster Farms Bowl. You guys will remember that out in San Francisco. I do. Yeah. And it was that? it was the day after Christmas. Yep. And so I had booked a flight out of Lincoln. That left at like three o'clock. It was going to get me into San Francisco like at eight o'clock at night. We didn't play till the next night, so that's plenty of time. I wanted, to, you know, wanted to have Christmas with the family before I went out there. And so I get to the airport, and there's mechanical problems, and there's no mechanic on site mm-hmm. to take care of it. And so they're going, uh, "We can maybe get you. We can't get you to San Francisco tonight." And I'm like, "Oh, that that isn't going to work." So I, I get a, I, I knew Nate Roar had a flight later that night leaving from Omaha. Mm-hmm. And so I go, Nate, are you still around? Because I think I, I didn't even have my car. I think my family dropped me off at the airport because I was coming back on the charter, team charter. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have my car. So I call Nate. Nate was coming back from Beatrice, where his family's from. And he zipped by, picked me up. I got booked on a flight from uh, Omaha. It was weird because he, like, went... Omaha to Dallas, Dallas to San Francisco, and I think I ended up getting, like, Omaha to Minneapolis, Minneapolis to San yeah. Francisco. But we landed about the same time, <laughs> and so we, you know, shared a cab nice. uh, to the to the hotel. But I think I got to the hotel, guys, at, like, 1.30 Pacific uh, time. Goodness. So that was, like, 3.30 a.m. Yeah. Central time with the game to call the next day. And I'm like, oh, boy, it's going to be a long 24 hours. Yeah, goodness. Yeah, I, I do remember hearing that story now that you say that. That, that is – it's – that too was probably even obviously more stressful because you had to get there at a certain time. It wasn't yeah. just annoying because oh my flight's delayed. It, you had to get there, so yeah, that's rough. All right, uh, moving over to baseball here, and this is a topic that you talked with uh, about with Lane, Greg. But I want you guys' opinions on it too. New York Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole um, has was asked a, a question by a reporter yesterday if he'd ever use a substance, spider tack, and. Um, it apparently is being used by pitchers in the MLB to increase their spin rate. And he had a very awkward deer in the headlights pause <laughs> and eventually said, I don't quite know the, how to answer that. And then he continued and gave kind of a non-answer. So I'm sure you guys have seen that. How did you guys respond and react to his answer? And what about this topic in general? Do you care about pitchers using sticky stuff, um, trying to Im- increase their spin rate? got to be the level playing field idea i think i think you should care but the 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 funny thing about that question was it was so point blank and then when it was on a zoom call and of course the 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 reporter asked the question it cuts back to garrett cole and (laughs) the absolute stunned silence of just i mean it it was uh i don't know if you count i mean they they maybe should have used that brooklyn nets shock you know clock (laughs) climber it was like six seven seconds of silence and he said well i don't even know how to answer that question well guess what you kind of answered it already by, by not answering it he knows he knows the answer the answer of course is yes and uh funny enough it was actually twins uh player josh donaldson who first yeah. accused him yep. of it and if you look at his yeah that, that spin rate that uh, it's dropped significantly ever since they busted four minor leaguers 
mm. for it. And that's when the Major League guy guys kind of got the memo to stop. And, of course, Garrett Cole's effectiveness has gone way down since that point. So this is a pretty embarrassing moment for him, as it should be. And that was definitely an, an omission uh, on his part. I just – it was just, frankly, awkward, funny, but kind of sad. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Right? Is that the <laughs> Talladega Nights thing? Right. I mean, baseball players have been doing this since the game was invented. Sure. I remember f- the old knuckleballer, Phil Necro, mm-hmm. umpire came out, and he's, he flicks away a nail file. Yep. It's like comes flicking out of his pocket, and somebody goes, well, what's that? He goes, oh, I don't know. I was like, wait, it's a nail file. You're filing your nails so you can get better grip on the ball. You can't do that. Right. So pitchers have been trying to do this since the game began. It's always a cat and mouse type thing. Um, hey, well, if you catch them, you catch them, and they yeah. get penalized. But guys are still going to try to get away with it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, here's the thing too: is like I, I understand you know doctoring the ball with stuff to try to get it to move in funky ways, but like. I don't really understand what's wrong with trying to put something on your fingers to get a better grip. It's not like you're doctoring the ball itself. You're just putting something on your, your hand to try to get a better grip on the ball, which would will increase spin rate. So, I I mean, I kind of get why, it, you know, it's kind of hard. It's splitting hairs with that, but I also don't really think it's quite as big a deal as a lot of other things that are against the rules. But we move on to our final topic, and again, with a non-sports one, I, I this one is meant mostly for Tim, but uh, Greg, you can chime in as well. Today, the the annual Philly Naked Bike Ride was announced, and oh they, they said that their event will take place on August 28th. Sadly, it was canceled last year due to the pandemic. Sadly. The ride lasts 10 miles, passing some of the uh, historic sites in downtown Philadelphia. Is this so, for real? It is for real. So would you guys, one, be willing to participate? And if not, what's the craziest thing you would be willing to do on a bicycle? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> on a bicycle specifically? On a bicycle specifically. Uh. Or I guess we could turn it this way. What's something that you would be willing to do naked? <laughs> Almost Ooh, nothing. I mean, your well, <laughs> nothing family friendly. By the um, way, they, they did say, uh, while you're thinking of your answer, um, they did say that they're still requiring masks as of now, but that might change oh, before... The 28th, but so you're good, naked, but, but you're wearing a mask. Correct. <laughs> As of now, they're, they are Come on. some of the restrictions are loosening in Philadelphia. So they think that by the time August 28th rolls around, they probably won't have to wear masks. But as of now, no, at least they're covering up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to plead the fifth. I have, okay. I have nothing to say. Tim, this question was meant for other you. Than, other than no, I would not do that. You wouldn't do that. Good okay. lord, no, no. Yeah, I just that's just not my style. No. Uh, to, to you know, bear it all. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> uh, the, the whole point uh, of it, their their uh, their goal is to promote healthy body image and like trying oh, to. You goodness know, gracious! I mean, they, uh, a lot of them wear body this, paint. Huh? Yeah, a lot of them wear body paint before they get that's, painted that's, up before. That's what's an out anyway. Beforehand, yeah. I, mean, I feel like if you're gonna go all in, you might as well go all in. True. Right? But no. No, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know uh, if this is something where they allow it just for this day or if it's something that's allowed all the time. I, or I I've know. gone topless on a beach. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's the Thanks furthest that you're willing image. to go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Again, I, I'm glad you guys are here, but I would like to get the rest of the guys' answers on this. Ben and Brett and Austin. I'm, I'm, sure a, I'm a t-shirt in the pool kind of guy. <laughs> Wow. Okay, so yeah, maybe we would would get better answers from everybody else, but oh, that's great. Well, let's get her going. Bye, sell. 
It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Josh Elkeman. Sold. And Tim Curran. Here we go. Buy, Ooh. sell. I, I haven't been here for a few weeks. In fact, it's been a long time since Tim and I have done a buy, sell together, I feel like. But Thank goodness long. Ben is not here. Ben would just be, uh, I don't know, He. I'm not sure he can handle it. No, I don't think so. There. I don't think Boxed he could. In. Well, speaking of Ben, he is the first uh, person who asked a question that we have an answer for, and it comes from over a month ago. May 5th is when this question was asked, and it comes from the NBA buy or sell that the Knicks would last longer in the playoffs than the Lakers. Seemed like an interesting question, (laughs) but it ended up being a sell, which most people probably would think, but it was very close. The Knicks were eliminated June 2nd. The Lakers were eliminated June 3rd. So wow. really, really close. All of us except for Brett sold it and got it right. But Brett w- went out on Brett. a limb and almost got it right. He almost outsmarted all of us. I was ready for a yay team. I can't do it. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Give you, give you a hint. Can't do it this next one either. Uh, I got a, got a question or answer <laughs> rather from Austin. NBA asked back on May 19th, buyer sell that a team that played in the play-in tournament would win a series or force a series to at least six games or they had the leading score for their series. The answer ended up being a buy. The Lakers, they played in the play-in and they also lost the Suns in six games. Greg, Ben, Josh, myself, and Austin all bought it and got it correct. And Brett, wrong with the sell. 0 for 2. 0 for 2 on Brett. Come on, Brett. No, no yay team for Brett. He's <laughs> right. there to it's yay team minus Brett. So yeah. there, there you go. He, last week, he, a couple times he goes, well, everybody did one. I'll go the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's not working out. Not right working yet. out. Not, I mean, these are a little bit older questions, but it seems like this was his philosophy before last week as well. So, all right. This is a question that I asked a couple of weeks ago from Major League Baseball by ourselves that the Minnesota Twins would sweep their series with the Baltimore Orioles or the Twins would win four of their next seven against the Royals. The answer, a sell. They actually lost two of three to Baltimore, so that wasn't even close, and then lost four of seven to the Royals. So they only needed one more win against the Royals, and they would have gotten it done, but couldn't quite pull that off. It was a sell. All of us except for you two guys got it right. Greg and Tim were the only ones to get it wrong. The rest of us were right with a sell. Mm. Uh, That's what we get. That's what we get for – You believed in the Twins. That's what you did wrong. I know it. It wasn't so much that I believed in the Twins. I just think it was like a hate buy against the Royals. But okay, that's fair. There you go. It happens. All right, uh, this one was mine question, I believe. Yeah. Uh, NBA playoff answer by our so that the Utah Jazz would not lose another game to Memphis in their series or one of the games would be decided on a buzzer beater, which was determined by Ben to be at least 0.9 seconds could be left on the clock. Uh, the answer was a buy because they didn't lose another game, and I was the only person who bought it and got it right. So you guys are what? all suckers, what? suckers for doubting the Jazz. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that you got to read that question either, Tim. That doesn't seem quite right. But <laughs> oh well. We'll move on quickly though to a question asked by Brett, an NBA question, also from May 26th. The buyer sell that the combined seating number in the NBA conference semifinals would be less than or equal to 26. The answer, as we have the conference semis all set up, is a buy. It was actually 21, so that means it's been pretty chalky so far in the NBA playoffs. And Greg, you were unfortunately were the only one to get this one wrong. Dang the it. rest of us got it right. I held it. I held up the go gay team thing this time. Yep, Dang. yep, 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 yep. 
That's all right. It's all right. At least Brett's been doing it more yep. this round than you. So tripped up. Well, uh, this one was yours, Greg. A college baseball question by so that a Big Ten team would make a super regional. The answer was, of course, a sell. Neither Nebraska nor Michigan nor Maryland made it. Greg, Ben, and Josh all got it right with the sell, and I inexplicably bought it. So did Austin. So did Brett. We all got it wrong. I was hoping I would have been wrong. Yeah. I know. Well, you almost were. The Oscars pushed it right to the limit, but couldn't yeah. quite get it done. All right. Uh, this question came from Ben, also college baseball related, last week by our sell that one of the last four teams in the field would win a regional. So those four teams were Alabama, Michigan, UC Santa Barbara, and North Carolina. The answer was a sell. None of them did make it to a super regional. And here we go. Yay, team. Everybody got that one right with a sell. Yay, team. Yay, team. We did Round it. of applause. We did it. It was a hard. We kind of, made, you know, there was a few chances that we blew, but we, we made it through and we got a yay, team. And there you go. All right, this one was uh, Austin's a Husker baseball question. It would buy or sell that Nebraska baseball would have a positive run differential after regional play. The answer ended up being a buy, plus yeah. eight. Very, very big, good. The Woo. big win on over NJIT. Uh, but Greg and Ben both still got it wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Yeah, we did. You guys were doubters. Yeah, haters. Husker hater Greg Sharp. <laughs> Getting it wrong with the sell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, this question from Brett, an NBA question. Buy or sell? By the way, Brett texted me about this question after we found out the answer, so you kind of have an idea of where this is going. Buy or sell that LeBron James would have at least 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists, and the Suns would beat the Lakers by at least 10 points in game six of their first-round matchup on Thursday. So this was... I don't feel like it had a very – this was a parlay that had a lot of different pieces to it, but it ended up being a buy. LeBron had 29, 9, and 7, and the Suns won 113 to 100. So every single part of that equation that had to happen, all of them hit. Brad, of course, was the only one to buy it, the only one to get it right. The rest of us wrong with the sell. Wow. Yeah, he texted me. He's like, am I a savant or what? And I was wow. like, Wow. Yeah, well, on that job. question he was. Yeah, on that question. Yeah. <laughs> Not a yay team, but a yay Brad. Yay Brad. Uh, this one was Josh's Horse Racy Belmont Stakes Q buyer so that the essential quality or Rombauer, Rombauer would win the Belmont Stakes. They were the top two favorites. Uh, the answer was a buy as essential quality won. Brett Austin, myself, and Ben bought that and got it right, whereas Greg in the question asker himself, Josh, sold it hmm. and got it we wrong. We both wanted Hot Rod Charlie. That's he was exactly so close. Right. He was so close. Greg, you and that was this was a big swing in buy sell this season because if Hot Rod Charlie had pulled it off, you and I each I would have had two points and everybody else would have had one less point. That's a three point swing right there for both of us. That's just huge. huge. Just by a few lengths of the yes, horse. Huge. That's why you should never bet on horse racing, because yeah, that's yep. Right true. Thankfully, we are done with those questions. The Triple Crown is over. We're not going to ask any more questions from that. All right, last answer that we have here comes from the NBA. And Brett, I feel like we've had a lot of Brett NBA questions, but by yourself that Giannis is the leading scorer amongst both teams or a Nets player would score at least 35 points in game one of the second round matchup between the Nets and the Bucks on Saturday, this past Saturday. The answer was a bye. Giannis was the leading scorer with 34 points. Durant was the leading scorer for the Nets with 29. So it was a buy, and everybody but Brett and Tim got it right. Brett and Tim both sold it and were incorrect. Hmm. The soccer so, experts got the NBA. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> it happens. 
As the resident NBA expert here, I'm I'm crushed. But. <laughs> you are crushed. All right, let's look at the totals for this week. Three of us, Ben, Austin, and myself, were 8 of 11. So solid weeks wow. for us. Tim, a step behind that at 7 of 11. Brett, a tick behind that at 6 of 11. And Greg, you brought up the rear at 5 Gee, of 11. So oh, Ben's got her. We're sewn up now. He pretty much does. Looking at the overall standings here for Season 2, Ben at 97 of 152. And that's Jeez. a seven-point oh. lead on you, Greg. You took another three-point step on you. Uh to go up 97 to 90. So, again, that that horse racing question, that's a three-point swing where you yep. could have gotten that back. But Dang it. Yep. What could have been. There's still a few weeks left in this season, though. Still some time. Still some uh, old questions that could come back. So, mm. still a little ways to go. But we'll jump into this week's questions, and, Greg, you get to lead us off. All right. Going college baseball with my first question here. Buy or sell that at least five of the top eight national seeds make it to Omaha for the College World Series. Mm. And, Josh, we have changed the rules now since you were last here. Uh-oh. If what you we... ask the question, you don't have to answer first. You can wait and have it come back around because okay. I don't want my thought process on my own question to influence <laughs> you guys. Sure. So do you get to pick who goes first, or how does that work? Let's just no. go. Well, what's the order? order? You got Tim next in the question. Sure, yeah. So it's Tim and then Josh. All right. Yeah. Uh, and I'll buy it. Why not? <laughs> Not going to explain my process. I'm just buying it. Yeah, I, I, hmm. I looked at a bracket earlier today, um, and I, it, it is close. There's always some upsets, but I, I'll go with exactly five. Make it. I will buy it as well. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the right number, doesn't it? And right. I, I thought should I go six and make it even more enticing? Mm. Uh, but no, yeah. I. I think five is the right number for me to be, kind of go waffle back and forth. But Yeah, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. All right, very good. Tim, you're up. All right. Uh, I've got uh, – I wanted to rate Brett – I wanted to beat Brett to the punch. I've got a yes. women's football right. question. Yep. Buy or sell that the U.S. women's national team wins all three of their remaining friendlies this month hmm. and score at least seven goals total hmm. in those matches. Those matches are against Portugal, Jamaica, and Nigeria – and I will not answer my question. I will wait for you guys. <laughs> I'll I'll buy it. I I'm all in on U.S. women's soccer. I know that they're all friendlies, but it doesn't matter. I feel like they should be better than Portugal, Jamaica, and Nigeria. So this is an and question. It is an I and. So it's a long parlay. history of this. You, yeah. That I always sell it, but I'm looking at this and I'm like, I think I think this needs to be a buy. I really do. I, I'm sure. with Josh. I'm gonna buy. I'm going against my. My long-standing rule, and I'm going to buy it. Dang it. I wrote this question specifically to trip Greg up. (laughs) Dang it. But. (laughs) Wow. But I'm buying it. You're buying it. Of course I'm buying it. It's a layup. It's a layup. 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 Always buying it. So this should be a yay team is what you're saying. If everybody does their homework and just looks at the question. Probably need to do homework. Doesn't overthink it is probably the. All right. Well, we move from women's soccer over to the French Open tennis. French. French Open. Buy or sell that Rafa Nadal wins the French Open and here's a parlay again. Mm. The final goes at least four sets. At least or just goes right on the money four sets? At least four sets. Okay. So it's and. Okay. Gosh darn it. Here you go again with the and. And. Um, I know. This is He's, he's probably going to win it. So now does he win it in straights or does he get... It's probably going to be him and Joker. Sure. And that's kind of where we're speeding toward that again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, I actually, go, I, I, I can't think, go, well, I'll, I'll wait. 
I can't go against my grain two straight times. No, so that'd be weird. It. All right, yep. I'll buy it. Oh, Tim's buying. Yep. All right, well, uh, Rafa actually matches up with Joker in the semis. Semis. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be tough. But So that is tough. I, I'm actually going to sell it. One, I think he could get tripped up. Hmm. But if he yeah, gets by Joker, he could sweep the. He could finals. sweep it. Yes, exactly. Because the other two guys are decent, but they're right. They're not on his level, especially on the clay. So yeah, I'll, I'll sell it. I'm with you. All right, Tim, you have Ben's question, I believe. I do have Ben's question. College baseball, believe it or not, buyer sell that exactly four or five super regionals go three games. I like how it's exactly four or five oh, uh, man. super regionals go three games. And that's probably a decent line, but uh, yeah. I guess I, I guess I'll go ahead and answer because it it's not my question. I'll, I'll buy it. I think I bought exactly everything. Exactly so four or five. Yeah, right. It goes four Jeez. or five, or four or five super regionals. Go I think it'll games. be four. I'll put that in parentheses, calling my shot right now. So to get it wrong, you'd have to be three or six. Correct. Or eight or one. Or right. It could be one, yeah, all yeah. in. Yeah. Every every that's single that's super goes three or that, none of them do. But yeah. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So you're talking about three or six. That seems like the right number. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'm buying it too. By the way, Ben did as well. So there you go. All right, uh, Austin, honeymoon man. Yeah, Austin. He is I. I wonder if he's Got listening right. Now. Austin, if you're listening to this right now, he's not. Text us, but Set a smoke also. Flare. <laughs> all right, he asked a college football question. What you he guys led the sh- what you uh, led the show off with? Buy or sell <laughs> that uh, Luke McCaffrey transfers to a Power Five school from Louisville? I sure hope not. <laughs> sell. So you're selling. I'm selling. Yeah, I think I think he goes to a. A Mac or a Mountain West or, or a Northern Conference Colorado, USA. wherever his well, Ed well, but his brothers are already there. there so yeah, I don't true. think he goes there, but I think he could go maybe to Colorado State, Wyoming, something Air Force, something like that, where he gets to play quarterback. Uh, so, it's, yeah. but it's not it's not going to be Power Five. No, and that's the thing. It seems like he's dead set on wanting to be a quarterback and wanting to be the starter right away. So, I feel like at this point, in order to do that, he would have to go to a non Power Five yep. school. I mean. Maybe there would be an opportunity at a at a lower level one, but I'm this is going to be a yay team. I, I feel it. <laughs> I think so too. There we go. All four of us have sold it so far. All right, another uh, a, this one time a Brett question, a Ooh. football question, <laughs> men's one, soccer. This one, yeah, men's soccer. This one's this one's great. Buy or sell that Harry Kane scores in England's what? Euro Championship uh, match against Croatia on Sunday, the group stage match, or that a player. <laughs> With a last name not ending itch, I see, that is, for Croatia scores. <laughs> what in the world is this? <laughs> if you look up Croatia's roster, it's all lots of I'm, Miro Slavic. I'm Nikola selling and- because, A, the second part's not, not going to happen. I feel like they're every single player on Croatia, their last name ends with itch. So... <laughs> and Harry Kane, I guess that, I mean, I'm sure he could score, but that's one player out of, yeah. you know, 11 that, you know, so I, yep. I'm i selling. I don't understand it, so I'm going to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I mean, the beautiful mind of Brett Whitty, there's really no understanding. Did, what did you do, Tim? I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm selling. I mean, Harry Kane is, you know, he is known to score, but again, one of 11. Right. Um, so, I, I again, and also... It, the, yeah, the last name 
itch ending. Uh, sure. I'm not even going to go there. So this, just sell. this makes me nervous, though, because Brett bought it, and all of us have gone against him so far, and he did that with the NBA question this last time, and it came back to bite us. And makes me nervous, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right, Greg, back, back around to you. All right, I'm going NBA playoffs. Buy or sell that there are more games played in the Western Conference mm. semis than in the East. Mm. The East is Philadelphia against Atlanta, Brooklyn yeah. against Milwaukee. The West, you have the Nuggets against the Suns and the Clippers against the Jazz. Uh, so I'm going to sell this, and the reason being is Ooh. because I've bought a lot of questions already. So I'm oh, <laughs> wow. I'm actually You thought there was a rationale there. No, I thought so. there was. Uh, I'm going to buy it. I think that the way the Nets have played so far, they yeah. look unbeatable. And I feel like Giannis kind of chokes at this point in the playoffs, so that could be a sweep, which then all you need is the Western Conference ones to go a little bit further than that. So I'm, I'm buying that the Western Conference has more games than the East. And it's got to be more. more. It can't, it can't be, be the same. The same or more, yeah. It has to be right. more. I'm still buying it, though. More. Okay. I will buy it as well. I think there's a better chance that that nets Buck series is quick right. than either, either series in the West. Right. I agree. All right, Tim. Okay. Got? got a golf question. Buyer saw that either Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson will win the Palmetto Chill. Championship this weekend. <laughs> He already got Greg. Didn't, I, didn't wait for my rationale. But. Yeah, I was going to sell. Two oh, guys geez. against the field. It's two guys I against know. the field. And it's, and it's not a major either, Come so on, it's two, not like. Well, you guys are just uh, you guys are just wrong. So you're buying, buying? Of course I'm buying. I always buy my own questions. That's true. I already saw it in my crystal ball. <laughs> so you guys are going to feel it's, sorry. It's, I almost We could have almost you team that, but you guys are going to. No. It's two guys against the field of like 140. Yeah, but the two best guys, right? Well, well, there's some other guys that are pretty good too. Well, Dustin Johnson's world number one, and Brooks Kepka's hot off his uh, trash take. He's too wor- yeah, he's too worried about trash talking my boy Bryson. That's, yeah, what about Bryson DeChambeau? He might win. Boy, Bryson, oh no, he might win. Oh no, no. All right. Well, <laughs> I have a I have the honor of asking the last question this week because we have three absentees. We only have nine questions instead of ten, but. My question comes from Major League Baseball. Buy or sell that Jacob DeGrom, the pitcher for the New York Mets, has an ERA and a whip that stay under 0.75 through June 22nd. Mm. Right now, they are at 0.62 and 0.57, respectively, so they both need to stay under 0.75. This is the ninth, so he's probably got two Two starts. starts As long as he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, see... Well, so do you have that like as an asterisk in there? No, 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 no. There's no asterisk. Nope. That has nothing nope. to do with it. He could yep. get hurt, not pitch again, and that it would be a buy. Or he could just decide he's mm. retiring from baseball, and that would also be a buy. <laughs> or he could just Seems pitch likely. Way. Seems likely. He could keep pitching the way he's been pitching. That would also be a buy. Although his ERA did rise up a little bit a few starts yep. ago, up to like point zero point eight, and then he brought it right back down. So. I'm not going first. One of you guys has to answer this. Uh, okay, I, he's amazing. But he God, is. It wouldn't, it wouldn't take much. It'd take no, like it a, takes a, three runs and like six innings, and he not would even. Go above I, that. I, I think that it would go up even if he gave up two runs over two starts. I think okay. that, that would so probably. I, I'm gonna sell it. All right, sell. Tim's selling. I'm buying. I'm all in on this. I think we're watching history. I don't think he's under any suspicion of using any foreign substances. 
in his on his hands oh, he's sticking. Oh, he's he is. Cheating. Okay. He's got spider. Either way, well, maybe he'll be caught before his next start, <laughs> suspended, and then it'll stay. His ERA will stay yeah. the same. That's yeah. When's he pitch again? Do we know? Uh, I think he last pitched on the fifth, so it'll probably before be the end of the year sometime. Friday ish. Friday night. Okay. Yep, that'd be my guess. So there you go. All right, that's a good one. I'll yeah. be tracking that bad boy. Love it. All right, good stuff. Delighted to be joined by Lexi's son, the Husker volleyball star who uh, pumped everybody up with her announcement a couple of weeks ago that she's going to come back and take advantage of the NCAA rule to, to get an extra year because of COVID last year. She joins us now. And Lexi, great to have you with us. Uh, are you at peace with your decision? How, how is it? How's the reaction been when since you made the announcement? Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh the reaction has been overwhelming. Um, <laughs> obviously, Husker Nation is the best, and I've received nothing but love and support from all of them. Um, and I'm just so excited to get another opportunity to hopefully play in front of everyone again. So yeah. I'm excited. How much did that factor into it that you, you had a season, but nobody was there? How much did that kind of go like, well, that really wasn't even a season? Did, did that kind of factor into it for you? Absolutely, yes. I think that a lot of what Husker Volleyball is about is our fans and our support in Bob Devaney Sports Center. Um, and I think that it was really hard last year because we didn't really have that atmosphere and didn't really get that and feel that as much. Um, so, yes, I'm so excited to be able to play in front of everyone again. Well, how, well, where was the disappointment level at the end of the tournament? You guys didn't make the Final Four. I know you, that's always the goal of the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, on your scale, what, was it just devastating? What, did it make you angry that you didn't advance further? What was kind of the feelings after the match? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, any loss hurts. Um, any sport, any age, I think that we obviously knew our potential as a team, and I think that we didn't really reach that last year. Um, so I think this is just a great opportunity for the seniors to be able to get another year. And um, for people like me, and um, I think that I'm just so excited to get another shot at it. So, yeah, this is everything. I know everyone was so excited that the Final Four was going to be in Omaha. Then the whole tournament ends up being played there. And there was a lot made about that the first couple of rounds, it was almost more like a club tournament, wasn't it? I mean, with all mm-hmm. these courts spread out, that just that this seems like it was such a letdown from what a tournament should have been. Mm, yeah. I mean, everything about this past year, nothing's been normal. Everything's been yeah. weird. Um, so, I mean, this was just one of the other things that was different for us. We had to go in and test and – we had to stay two weeks in Omaha, and it was just different. Um, I think that, obviously, the NCAA did their best with what they had to work with. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just different, for sure. Visiting with Lexi's son, she announced on May 19th that she would come back for Husker Volleyball. The season does return to its normal slot with with August matches, and we should get the schedule here any day. Are you concerned about that at all? That's a short off season for you. Any worries that you can't get your body recovered from this past year, or is that is, are we making too much of that? Um, I think for sports, maybe like football, it might be a little bit different. Um, I think, but for us, we had a lot of time to just relax and take a little break in May, and now we're back and 
we're going. So I don't think that it will really affect us too much. I think if anything, we will just be all the more driven and ready to go and ready to work hard. Lexi, there's been so much made about the incoming class. I don't know how much you've mm-hmm. been around them. Uh, can you can you give us a kind of a glimpse behind the curtain? How good are some of these players that are coming in here? Absolutely. They're amazing. Um, we had a few of them come early, actually, last semester, and they've been able to train and play with us a little bit, and a few of them just got here a few weeks ago. So we're really excited to get the opportunity to play with them and, um, yeah, I'm just excited to see what they can do and excited to encourage them and see them grow throughout their time here in Nebraska. The season was so odd. You didn't get to play everybody in the league that, that you would normally mm-hmm. get to play. Like Wisconsin, you didn't get a chance to match up with the Badgers, and they've been they've right. been one of the best teams in the country. They got some good news. Radke's announced she's going to come back this year. How much do you guys think about teams like Wisconsin? Because if you're going to win the thing, you're probably going to have to make your way through them at some point in time. How much does that motivate you in the offseason, thinking about the Texases and the Wisconsin's teams that you're going to probably need to beat to win it all? Right, for sure. Um, obviously, that's very significant and has a big impact on who we play in conference and in the tournament. So I think that's huge, but I think right now, the biggest thing for us is just focusing on us as a team and what we need to do to get better and just figuring out how to tap into our potential and be great this year. This is an Olympic year, Lexi, and it just came out that three mm-hmm. former Huskers are a part of the U.S. Olympic team. That's, is that a goal of yours at some point in time in your playing career to play for, for the Stars and Stripes? Um. I don't know. I would say that it's everyone's goal to be able to represent um, our country and go and play the sport that we all love. So I think that if that opportunity comes down the road, then um, that would be awesome. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Pretty cool. Three three Huskers on that team. That's really neat. That gives us all something to watch uh, when those games get For going sure. in Tokyo. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you you made so many people's day, so many people's month when you made that announcement a couple of weeks ago. I hope you felt that love Aww. from Husker Nation. Aww. And and I know you and the team and, and the coaching staff can't wait to get back into Vanny and not hear echoes, but to hear the sounds <laughs> of all those people chanting away and, and rooting you on. Yes, absolutely. We cannot wait. Lexi, thank you so much. Have a great summer. Get a little bit of rest, but we can't wait to see you guys out there in August. Awesome. Thanks so much. We'll see you then. Another show coming your way tomorrow night. We'll have our face-off, and I believe it's Tim and Ben. This will be a nice throwdown. Looking forward to that. Good. I'm going to come up with some juicy ones to ask you guys tomorrow night. Thanks to Josh and Tim and all of you for listening. Good night.